Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 137 of Two Left Thumbs, the weekly gaming podcast that always makes up its intros. I'm Poppies. Joining me this week, it's Lord High Fixer. How you doing, Fix? Doing well. It's a good Sunday morning here. Sunday's a good start. Sunday is a good start. Um, Been up to much this week? Uh, nothing that's great. I mean, work. Work is uh, my job. My real life job is pretty demanding. But other than that, just preparing for the stuff I do every weekend with the stream. But then um, that's a, almost a second job at this point. But it's a job I enjoy. I always like that. Yeah, you um, you kind of get into a hobby and it slowly becomes work. And then you're like, you, you, there's a point where you're looking at it and you're like, is, is this is this too much now? Am I is this am I putting too much effort into this thing that I thought I was going to enjoy? And <laughs> I think that the difference is like um, a lot of game streamers, they they fire up their game and they play their game and then they're done, right? They do their three hours or six hours or whatever and they're done. And um, building something educational takes a lot of time um, for a two and a half hour. And it really needs to be that if I go much longer than that, people kind of roll their eyes back out of, okay, I've been, I've been talked at for a while, but building a two and a half hour you know, history lesson takes seven hours of writing on top of a lot of reading. And I don't mind doing any of that stuff, but it certainly takes, Hey, there's an extra work day in here uh, to get this thing out on top of, you know, having a job and having a life. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Oh, that's okay. So, um, we should, we should probably start with some introductions. I mean, we, we, we know your fix. Um, so yeah. last we last age old question I've been asking everyone for every episode. Um, who are you and what do you do? Well, um, everyone out there knows me as Fix. I am one of the I guess senior members of a conglomerate of streamers and gamers called Big Top Outlaws, and uh, we've been promoting the notion of community and support and safe space for each other for almost uh, over a decade now. And uh, streaming became a part of that, you know, as streaming took off. But uh, beyond that, I'm an IT professional. I um, I manage a massive diagnostic imaging archive for a major hospital enterprise in the United States that effectively allows people to get their CTs or x-rays or whatever done in a certain place. And then the doctor doesn't have to be there. The doctor can review those, uh, those studies at their home if they need to in an emergency and uh, done things like cut down the time for stroke care and save some lives. And uh, that's what I do for my day job. So I translate that into the IT side of that into streaming. Um, I'm a dad, I've got two kids that are in college and I'm a US Air Force veteran and I served in Afghanistan. So um, I'm in my mid forties, no longer married and um, just kind of enjoying that middle stage of life at this point. Yeah, we were, um, we were discussing before, um, you just kind of, your, your, all your kids are kind of out out on their own now and you've you've got the you've got a bit more freedom kicking about which is um i'm, I'm jealous entirely um I yeah you trade days. that off with mobility though right like i once i hit about 38 39 i started to feel the fact that i wasn't moving as much as fast as i could and it you know movement wasn't as pain-free as it used to be there there are certainly some trade-offs with with the the freedom that you will enjoy once you're uh your raising of and getting kids out into the world is kind of done. And that job doesn't ever stop either. I mean, my kids are majoring in math and physical therapy and 
there's still the dad, what do I do phase of things all the time. Um, yeah. Beauty part for us is the kids uh, fortunately don't have to pay for college. They were able to have it in their pocket in advance. So they're not going to walk out of it in the U S system with a, with a ton of debt or anything like that. So, but yeah, now it's like uh, do my job and then what do I want to do tonight? And usually it's reading and uh, playing video games. Video game, video games are an optimal choice of um, spending your time. Um, so um, back to your back to your your, your streaming. Um, you you do things a little differently, like you said. There's kind of the traditional stream out there. We're out there like playing games and entertaining people. You've chosen this educational route of um, teaching people. About base and stuff like that uh how did how did that start what what kind of gave you that idea for that well there's this funny line between i'm an intellectual i mean i don't have i don't possess any major college degree and i always kind of try to make that disclaimer to people like look i'm well read and i've intentionally spent my life reading and learning and going to places where others can teach me and i truly believe that it's important that when you gain knowledge you don't hoard that knowledge that you pass that knowledge on so it started with a mutual love of uh space flight and uh astrophysics where we did a series and we still do a series when the time permits called a uh, big top outlaw space administration where we watch launches together or in the instance of perseverance which was the nasa most recent nasa uh, martian lander we watched it come in we brought up nasa's public tools and discussed what the mission was like there's a thing on that mission called moxie which is supposed to um, test the ability of our engineering to create oxygen from the atmosphere of mars which has been successful which is a hates a huge step toward colonizing the planet but anyway um the idea was <clears throat> i know these things and there are people who have interest in these things who do not have the time that i have uh so that and it's also something i would be doing anyway i would be learning these things anyway so why not take it from me sitting in front of youtube watching nasa and reading or me sitting here reading a book about the french revolution or world war one or whatever instead of it me just amassing knowledge let's take it a step further and find out if there's interest and see if there's a group of people that want to come in and absorb this and then the second really important part was preserving it, um, taking the output of the, of the streams and what's built and then making sure there's a, you know, an archive of it. So if people want to go back and pick up where they missed or want to start at the beginning of whatever we're talking about, they can always go back and kind of bring them up to you know, where we are now. But history itself was, it was something that I had uh, been pressured. I hate to use that word, but uh, pressured by the community to do for a long time because um, I'm in a lot of streams and people play games like Assassin's Creed is a great example or, you know, uh, send you a Hellblade sacrifice. These games have historical roots and I know these historical roots. So I'd be in these streams saying, hey, this is this thing or people play Rise in a Room and I'd say, oh, if you want to parallel this to the real Roman world, this is how this worked. And people were always like, why don't you just do something where you teach people this? And I spent two and a half years trying to figure out where that logical start point was because with uh, the show, the history show, the intent is to inform the modern world. Like I want people to understand why things operate today the way that they do and where those things are derived from. And then also understand that the way things are today and the way people behave aren't totally new. 
people were just as insane as they were, you know, in, in this late 18th century and draw those lines and say, look at how these French people acted or look at how these German people acted or look at how, you know, the Mongolians acted in the 13th century and say, and then look at what happens today. That, that aspect of what occurs is human nature so that these kind of light bulbs come on. And that's the idea is to take what I know from both, you know, philosophical and historical learning and, and, provide insight to a group who may not want to do the reading, but can ingest it well from the perspective of a well-informed storyteller. Um, that's something I, I always appreciate. I'm, I'm not, um, known for, for reading a lot. Um, I, I do get audiobooks. I think I find that a much more enjoyable kind of format to, um, to educate myself. Uh, I think it was, a um, uh, a book i can't remember for the life of me what it was called i was just trying to look it up um <laughs> it was basically it was it, it was the history of like the amount of times that the like humanity had almost brought the world to an end and <laughs> and people were nuts and they haven't changed like it, it kind of went through the went through the generations um different countries forming taking over different countries mm. and, and then bringing it right up to the point of the cold war where we're kind of at this point where we're like okay it's either one 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 group of people destroys the world or the other group destroys the world like we have we have too much power now we yeah, just need to th- we need to stop <laughs> there's a thing in that called the great filter historically it came about during the development of the um the atom bomb where you know, these theoretical physicists are sitting around in the 1930s and saying, you know, there is this filter that humanity must pass through where once they obtain the ability to destroy themselves and they believed it was from, you know, the ability to split the atom and create that amount of damage. But um, they didn't see that previously the Industrial Revolution was probably the thing that is the great filter. Like, can we reverse our own climate problems? But can a, a civilization, whether humanity or otherwise, you know, out in the universe, can they past this filter realize that what they're doing can i activate my camera it is on i I, I, I had i had some i had an issue um there it is there we go it disappeared for me i tried to reset it yeah it it, it clicked off here and i don't know why but um so the the great filter is this, this thing where you know once a once a species society gets to the point of obtaining the ability to kill themselves can they realize it and stop it and that's kind of what you were referring to in the, in the book you're you're talking about is uh it's i don't know i don't know the answer to that if you look on the internet it doesn't look great but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we're, we're, we're kind of in, i think we're very much on the on the precipice of that at the moment um i, I mean if, you, if you're just looking on the internet just like anything like you see kind of a lot of humanity that's worse and i think that's just because we've like we're, we have access to so much information now as well I think like, that's there's, there's kinda, so much good out there. But yeah, it kind of like, slants the perspective, though, too, with respect to yeah. internet opinions. Is everyone likes to complain, and very few people like to praise in public with you know accomplishments and achievements. And I, I, I'm not a positivity all the time person because I believe I'm a, I'm a cynic, but uh, I do believe that most people, when provided a platform, are going to say something bad because oh, I go yeah. on you know the internet to vent too, and you get that deluge of it, and it's like. How much of that is really a, a good sample size of what's actually occurring? Yeah, it's kind of the, the, the loudest minority kind of deal. Yep. Um, always, 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 always screaming. 
Um, There's actually a thing about that historically, too. The loudest minority, you can see that even in what we're talking about in the French history series is where the loud minority is the one that actually brings down the king in France in the late, you know, late 1790s or the mid 1790s is that minority that, you know, they're the vocal violent group and they're the ones that what's what we talk about now is like, who do you remember from that period? It's that small subset. It's not the the passive people who are just trying to go about their daily lives and trying to do good things. We remember the, the violent motions of things in history, whether that's violent violence, violence, or that's, you know, negative, just commentary that's exacerbating a critical stage in our history. But that's kind of how I see it now. Yeah, um, that's a pretty good point. Uh, like it's um, not, not something I, I think on too often. Um, but like you do see like you do see it like now, but I hadn't really related it back to history, which is what, probably why you do what you do, because you are so good at doing that. You're just kind of like, oh, this is kind of where this was in this point in history and this kind of happened as well. Um, what goes into like, to, like you said before, like it takes a, a fair bit of like getting an episode ready or getting a session yeah. ready because you do do it live as well um which is incredible too because i don't think i can do that scripted let alone live <laughs> well it, it, it's scripted to a weekend. degree right so okay. the, the process is this um an era that i want to talk about like i'm prepping for a different era right now in my free time um so the way in which we got to the point of being ready for the french revolution was i i had probably 20 books here that i'd read and that I had, you know, you know, tagged the pages in Kindle or on a PDF or whatever. And kind of I started to take notes and just started to memorize where things that were like the critical things, the critical points, the way in which I refer to the French Revolution is like a series of tornadoes. So where do those tornadoes start and then segueing between those tornadoes? So the episodes are all written in an outline form where, you know, it's topic. And then what do I want to talk about under this? Just things to, to key me into what I know. Um, but the reading is the is the big lift because I have to get familiar with everything and then pull out the pieces I believe are relevant enough to give the level of detail that kind of the audience wants at this point. Um, but then also keep things flowing because I want to stay under, you know, two and a half hours when I do one of these shows. So once I and I'm there with the French Revolution, I, I'm not incorporating very many new sources, even though I, I just added Mike Duncan's Tale of Two or Hero of Two Worlds, which is about the Marquis de Lafayette's life. I kind of added that to inform the narrative. Um, once the, you know, the knowledge is in my head, it's, um, I have a designated writing day where this is the day where I will write. Um, I like to do it midweek. It gives me time to review it before Saturday, which is when the stream goes off. Um, and it also gives me a break because speaking for two and a half hours on the topic on a Saturday, I don't want to dive right back in on Sunday or Monday and be right back into it. I want to give myself a little bit of a mental respite. So I, I end up starting with, you know, it's nebulous. I start off with, I know I have four basic areas I want to cover every week. And what are those four basic areas? And then how do I not only speak to them with the detail necessary to reflect on the past things we've spoken about, but to set the stage as a storyteller for the next things that I know are coming, but I don't want them to know are coming because it is kind of like telling a story. It's episodic. And unless the viewer knows their history, the things that happen next may be utterly shocking to them. And I, I want to preserve that cliffhanger spoiler thing for those who don't know. So I get those kind of four topics there and then I, I break down the individual pieces. And then the, the next trick is, is and, and a good example is where we are in the French Revolution is talking about 
the legislative assembly, which is the second legislative body that is in the revolutionary era. And they take up two major issues. I want to talk about those two major issues. And I want to talk about them in the series of steps that they took with respect to those major issues. But I'm also trying to keep a flowing narrative of time that I don't want to have to go back in time over and over and over. I kind of want to progress month to month. So I have to interleave though they did this on this topic and then they did this on this topic. And then a major character or major historical figure enters the stage. And how do I biography that person while also maintaining the flow of what I'm talking about? It's, it's not easy to do that. And while the outline tends to be for an episode between 11 and 14 pages, like legal Google doc, um, it takes between the quickest I've done it when I've been just right on it. It's been a very easy episode is three and a half hours, the longest. And generally on average, it takes between six and eight. Um, it just is a lot of typing. And then the next step past that is I'm doing a live, a live take podcast is how I like to, you know, say it is, but it's not just a podcast. It's kind of like this. I have a visual element to it where yeah, yeah. I want to, I want to say things like, Oh, this is where Avignon or, you know, Comitat de Venison, which are areas in France. Um, I want to show them where these areas are so they can relate that to the modern day. Like, Oh, I've been there or something like that. And um, so I, um, there's a great map archive, which I, I purchase and license the maps from. I don't like to use anyone's work without, you know, paying them for it. Um, and I bring those up and then I have, you know, pictures you know, or paintings at this point in history of all the relevant historical people. And I have to build that every week uh, just to make sure that it looks from the perspective of the stream preview. It's visible, like people can read it because it's it's 1080p here. So I can definitely see what I'm talking about. But people on Twitch are going to have a much smaller box that they see things in. So it's about trying to make sure that that presentation is there. But I do everything in that regard in, uh, in Microsoft Whiteboard so that when I'm talking about something, I can actually draw lines on maps and, you know, circle things and point people to where they uh, they need to focus their attention. Your mic cut. It's not exactly something that's in my like common tool set. Um, that sounds cool, though. Be able to draw and stuff as you go. That sounds well, awesome. Well, when we started history, it was a series of tabs in Google Chrome. And you know, I was just showing them, here's, you know, Louis' picture and here's the Queen's picture. And then um, I have some great moderators who provide me with feedback from the viewer's perspective. Like we could, you could probably do this better if you made this a little bit more, less jumpy and more static that you were just manipulating a series. And then it was like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's do that. Um, and that's when we were, I think we were three episodes into this series before I was like, yeah, let's let's do a whiteboard and and build that. And then the other piece of work is, um, is I've recreated the opening scene to Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure because we kind of theme it as history around the notion of the phone booth and all that. So I've recreated that that iconic scene where that crystal comes out of that blue ceiling and stripped all the credits from the movie out of it. And now I add my own credits in. So it's all the historical figures with some sort of witty comment that says, you know, this is what's going on with them this week. <laughs> and um, so I have to render that every week. And it's not a big render. It's a two and a half minute video. And I have a template built for it. But I still have to go back through my notes and figure out, OK, who's actually going to be top billing this week? And then uh, and then build that out. So I would say all told writing whiteboard, rendering that intro <clears throat> is probably about 10 hours. I probably spent about 10 hours a week on it just from the creation of assets perspective beyond the learning perspective. Yeah, well, I think that's I think that's probably again probably the largest part of it. I mean, there is you know the two and a half hour kind of 
Yeah, that's the easy part. Yeah, there's a lot of it. It's the easy part. He goes, oh, I can get this out of the way now. Um, that all that kind of background work is where, where we're like, like it, that's that's the base of the iceberg there, right? It's um. Yeah, that is the base of the iceberg. No that's a great analogy. Just kind of, it's just kind of there and pretty, and then you run into it, and then it's all over. <laughs> and, I mean, it's worth it, right? I mean, it, yeah. The people who are who are there, I I I, you know, I don't look at numbers, but I see the number when I look at whatever because it's there. Every tool has a number, like they want you to care about your metrics. And my I, I get like you know between twenty and thirty live people that are there every week, and then I pull pretty decent numbers on YouTube to to watch VODs, and those VODs are also there for everyone who misses because it is like a TV show for them at this point where they they miss, they're not gonna know what's gonna happen next week, so they have to catch up. Um, I just wish television had done that when I was younger. It was like you missed. That's that. Yep. Just gonna please. No, it's gone. Bye. Uh, <laughs> that was the worst, man. Watching TV yeah. shows as a kid, and you like you went out one afternoon with your parents, and you've missed out, and you couldn't see that for like another six months. And then yep. everyone at school's talking about, oh man, why? I actually cut school one time to see an episode of the original Transformers because I knew it was gonna happen. I, me and my friends walked. Oh, sorry, mom. We walked to the bus stop, and uh, then ditched. And went back to my friend's house knowing his family was already gone to work for the day and then caught Transformers. And then we're like, yeah, we saw it. It's like eight in the morning. Like, what do we do the rest of the day? We hadn't thought past that point because we were like nine or something like that. We're like, yeah, the school's probably going to call and tell them we're not there. But what, the, how, what time that. do you start school? Uh, when I was a kid, and this is, you know, 80s and 90s, uh, when I was in you know, primary and middle and high school, uh, it was get to the bus stop by seven 30 in the morning. So it was, okay, right you know, right. get up, get up, have your breakfast, you know, have you put on the clothes your mom picked out for you and, uh, and walk. And for me, it was probably about a six or seven minute walk to the bus stop. And, um, all my friends would just uh, live on the same street. We just kind of just walk down and amalgamize together on our way up there. And, and uh, then, you know, seven 30, we're like, nah, we're going to ditch out and go watch transformers this morning. Only did that a couple of times, but yeah. <laughs> We didn't think yeah, the plan um, through. Yes, yeah, you just kind of get these. Oh, it's, it's like a. Um, I'm 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 up with all the analogies. It's like a um, dog chasing a car and it stops. It's like a. The, what do I? Yeah, do I've do caught I, it now. What do I do? Yeah, what do I do? Just. Oh, <laughs> uh, we. Used to, I, I used to. I mean, I I used to have to catch a bus in because I used to live out in the like in the country. It's like a forty five minute bus ride in for me. Um, so I just wait. Like the bus literally stopped outside my house. And um, I just there with a neighbor. He had a mar- he had a, a slingshot and a ton of marbles. And we had like it was like um there's a wooden back. So we just peppered this entire bus shelter. It's just like full of marbles. <laughs> it was the best thing. It was the only way to waste time. Um, but yeah, I, I I if I if I skipped class, the bus driver knew, and like got on my parents because you know, I could I could go anywhere. So if yeah, I wasn't there, like, right like there. this kid isn't here. Yeah, it's like you've got to be home somewhere. Um, I think the system evolved over time. Like once I was in junior high and high school where they, they like required the call from your parents to inform them that they were not attending. Otherwise they were going to, you know, activate the whole truancy system and track you down. And uh, eight years old, nine years old, we didn't think about stuff like that. (laughs) It's like, there's a, there's a TV show you want to watch. I once had my, I once had my cousin, um, while we're on this subject i never get to tell the story um my cousin she decided to um to not go to her school and then like skip her classes and then come to my school instead 
it was it was the weirdest thing i was <laughs> she's like, I'm, she's like she just jumped on the bus she's like, i'm gonna i'm gonna come to your school today and i got about midway through the day uh or midway through the morning and um you hear the hear the teacher walking down the hall because like the news was there they called her parents and like the dad literally i like, picked her up and just like dragged her into the car so you're going back to yours <laughs> slam the door and off he went but it was it was the weirdest thing because you just got like, oh, I'm 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 hanging out with you today. How much? My yeah, dad was, was like, a, my dad was a cop when I was a kid, so rule breaking was a no. Yeah, and, that would uh, be. <laughs> <laughs> Do you no. find did that did that make you rebellious as a as a, as a teen? No, um, no. Well, really? yeah. When I when I got to be, I think. So my dad was my dad was a Secret Service agent before he was like U.S. Secret Service protected the president. Oh wow, Secret Service right. agent. Um, he's also a veteran. He served in Vietnam, um, and then he became a, a local cop in his hometown. He got married, uh, came home, and, and there I am. But I think having, I also had a, an intelligence grandfather. He worked for the CIA, so I um, it is I had this really very, in your blood, isn't it? Yeah, I had this really deep discipline, you know. And I, it is discipline's not a bad word. Um, discipline's a good thing because if I wasn't disciplined, I wouldn't make a ten-hour you know pregame for a podcast every week. But right, yeah, I think. I think the discipline was something I realized early on was good thing. Like you can really frame accomplishing things around this. Now there certainly are times where my parents' rules made no sense. Like, like, why are you telling me this is as far as I can go at this age? Or why is my bedtime at this time? And I don't like those things. Um, but as I became a teenager, yes, certainly. I mean, I don't think there's a period where really too many teenagers don't say to hell with your rules. And I'm going to go define this whole thing for myself. And I certainly did that. Um, but both my parents were pretty, pretty, I wouldn't say strict or overbearing, but they had a plan in mind, just like I had a plan right. in mind and you're going to have a plan yeah. in mind for your kids. And they wanted that plan followed through because they could understand the variables within their plan. And whenever someone acts out of that plan, it really screws that up for them and it makes the stress level yeah. go up for them. And as kids, you don't, you know, realize that when well, my kids would kind of break out of the plan of like, oh no how do we handle this now? And, and and I think that's more of, you know, there's certainly a rebellious side that's significantly damaging that kids take. I never really went down that path, but I, I did disrupt my parents' master plan quite often. Yeah, there were just I, um, times where it's like, I don't want to do the thing you want me to do. Um, I'd say I, my, um, my parents met in the military, funnily enough. Um, mom was a, mom was a nurse and dad was a tank operator. And, um, on dad's side military goes way back a fair bit and yeah. i always i always always i was i just ended up finding issues with authority i was like you tell me what to do i'm gonna do the complete opposite it's like don't do that and i'm like okay pushing the button now thanks you it's, made me do this it's funny you say that because obviously the military demands conformity and discipline and and their respect for authority but the job i chose um kind of got to do what we wanted most of the time um <laughs> Uh, the job I chose was a job and I can't, I can't go into too many details on it, but it was a job in which we were you know, sent to a place with a plan that never worked and pretty much told to figure it out. And we were on our own, you know, four, three, four man team that just was trying to accomplish a mission. And so when we would come back, the, the place where we were stationed, uh, I lived in Japan for a while, I was stationed there. We were forward deployed, which means we're assigned to a unit somewhere else. And we lived there and that base supported us. So we kind of were attached to a squadron that was responsible for us, but we weren't really a part of it. And so 
we were just like we were like the step cousins around there we could we could show up for things that we wanted to we could do you know, kind of do whatever we wanted and the the air force and the army and everyone else when they're in their their posts or the garrisons they kind of just work on their nine to five monday through friday schedules but we had just been out someplace for you know 36 days living in the dirt or something like that. So we get home. It was like, no, we're taking 10 straight days off, you know, leave us alone. And that's the rebellious side, right? Cause that doesn't, that doesn't conform with anything that the military expects from you. And, and the commanders just like, leave them alone. You know, they do a job that you don't want to know about. And uh, so, yeah, yeah, yeah I kind of, I, I kind of like the kind of allowance to blow off steam because mm -hmm, exactly the, and the blow off steam part was a dangerous part. <laughs> <laughs> I have uh, I have absolutely paid a, a toll booth attendant in Japan when we had spent all of our money with a six pack of beer. Like we were driving back north yeah. to our base from where we were in a, a, a city called Hachinohe, and uh, we were spent all of our money. We didn't realize it, but all of our money in our wallets was just gone, and we were on a road that required us to pay when we got off of it. And um, we we had beer in the car and we pulled up and a couple of us spoke decent Japanese and we asked the guy, hey, would you just take a six pack of beer if you hit the button? And we handed out the window and you hear ding and we're gone before he thought twice about it. That is that is fantastic. I think honestly, beer, beer is the best currency. Um, yep. Except there's, you yeah. know, there's qualities of that currency because we definitely we gave him uh, Asahi Dry, which is like Japanese Budweiser, I think. Yeah, it's. Uh... <laughs> Probably the perfect description of a Sai dry. Actually, I've had it. I've had it once or twice, and it's not. It's not pleasant. It's not terrible. It's not it's bad. Right. But in terms of common Japanese beers, I would much rather have like a Kirin or something like that. Something that actually has some some flavor to it. Because Asahi is really like, there's there's alcohol in this water. We promise. Like a canoe, it's fucking close to water. Uh... <laughs> So um back to back to your back to your content a little bit. Um yeah. so you you've covered you've covered French French Revolution. Well, we're in the um, middle of it. We're actually in probably the first third of it the, still. Right, so you're in that at the moment. Um you've done some SpaceX stuff as well. So I'm just, I'm just browsing through your channel to see what else you've kind of covered. Uh is there anything well, else that I'm I'm missing? Um, well, I mean, historically, the, the purpose of what I did with streaming initially was to you know, find a revenue mechanism to drive revenue toward veterans causes. Um, right. uh, Savage Queen Madriel is my best friend. She's also one of my mods. Um, we talk a lot about what's the best way to kind of leverage what we do to do good things. Um, so I got partnered with Streamloots when they first really got started. I've been a partner there. Like we got partnered within a month because just I create all the cards by hand and you could tell there's something that goes into it. And then the way in which they interact with the stream is very unique. Like I do all the coding to make very specific things happen. And what we did there was I was streaming Darkest Dungeon, um, which if you've never played that game, uh, they just passed 5 million total units sold. And uh, they're a great small studio based in Vancouver called Red Hook. Um, and they got a sequel coming out. But Darkest Dungeon is one of those roguelikes where it's like uh, this game hates you and get used to it. And it's extremely difficult. So what I did is I turned the difficulty up with uh, Streamloots and kind of said, here are ways you can mess with me. And then also all of the characters were named after viewers. So they all had a buy in like they, they all had a vested interest in this game, not killing their character. And so yeah, we, we use that. I have heard about this. It's brilliant. 
we've used it to you know to create a system where buy three packs of cards you know and you can use these cards they all have a, a meaningful effect like you can strip provisions from me or you can force me to take your party member with me or you can force me to not take your party member with me there's a ton of things that you can do uh, make yourself immune for a week there's something like 50 cards we made and they were so popular that we were able to do like close to 400 pack buys a stream which is insane for stream wow. loots yeah it was a lot because stream loots introduced their crafting system which said you can buy the, these cards and break them into parts and then make the ones you want and i had one guy who i won't name but he knows who he is as he watches this who just every time i came to a curio in darkest dungeon he made me open it and i got i was like ah it just made the game so much harder because those curios mess with you in that game but when we decided that, you know, we, we thought about doing another Darkest Dungeon run after we, we really finished it. We went 240 weeks, which is really long in that game. You can beat that game much faster, but we kind of drew it out because we were telling a story. And uh, I think we hit something like 47 episodes, something like that, when we completed it. And when we got done, the kind of group, it's kind of like my, my head shed all said, do we want to do this again? And I was like, yeah, because what else are we going to do? You know, you're doing space, but there's not a great way to tie the cards to space and um then the mixer twitch thing happened it was like uh well hey subs are a revenue source and bits are a revenue source and how can we make that into donations for for because we does we donate all of our money to uh disabled american veterans charitable service trust uh after the taxes get paid because i don't have a, a charitable organization or anything like that um so when we went to twitch and there was another usable you know revenue source and subscriptions um we decided that well it, maybe this is the time to do history because his, they knew that history was likely going to kill everything else like there's just no time with the amount of work that goes into it to sit down and do an eight hour game stream you know three times a week or anything like that it's just not possible so we turned that over and said, okay, here's history. And the revenue has gone down a little bit, but we're still trying to figure out other ways to bring some of the, the card elements back into it just so that people can do something more than gifts, you know, 10 subs to somebody they don't know. And, and yeah, I imagine, I imagine having like a, a less, a less interactive form of like kind yeah. of participating, especially when it comes to like using a monetary system, um, like the Streamlabs loot cards, which I've, I've seen we've uh, we've come up with some inventive ways like there are cards that like it's a heavy metal thing and everyone knows i'm a heavy metal guy so we've always used the the riffs from brutal legend as something you could just play whenever you want yeah. and um i've also taken snippets of you know bill and ted films and made them into small videos that play over my camera so you, anytime you can play excellent or get the grim reaper out or get napoleon out or things like that and um over the, the course of the stream or the series we have started to track who's dead because people get killed or die of natural causes, but also who's left the nation of France. We have a, a like an upper board that shows this, but no one ever sees it. You know, I, I, they have to ask me to go up to that portion of the whiteboard. So what we did this actually started this last episode yesterday is I created another reward where you can actually bring a small slideshow up of these individuals on the lower portion of the screen. And the tricky thing is that darkest dungeon i didn't care how much of the screen got overlaid right i didn't care if you you know did if we did something and it covered the screen for a minute because it's just a video game but with the history thing i'm really apprehensive about covering the information so i have this framing that 
all the stuff happens in so that it doesn't it never impacts your ability to see what I'm talking about in the middle of a sentence while somebody may be like, we have one where there's a guillotine that drops over the chat frame and it cuts, you know, the Gilius's head off and it screams when it happens. And uh, I've always tried to make sure with the history thing that all the interactivity we're trying to build back in doesn't impact the ability of the person's, you know, it doesn't impact their experience with the actual material. Especially with, um, with you translating that to, to VOD material as well. I can yeah. imagine if you're not there in the moment, you may miss, because I mean, because you're going from, from Twitch to, to Twitch to YouTube. I mean, I think you've, yep. you've got your chat there as well. Um, but yeah, you're not there in that moment. So there may be like some context lost, even if you are that's actually enjoying that part. Yeah. That's a huge point for anybody that is their intention is to not only live stream, but preserve and have viewership on of those live streams via recordings on YouTube is preserve your chat. Uh, you need to have the chat visible, uh, come up with an inventive way to do it where it's kind of out of the way, but there's a constant stream of consciousness from your viewers that they can see because as a streamer, you can't, you oftentimes will read what a viewer says or read a question and simply reply to that question. And a viewer on a VOD doesn't have that frame of reference when you're speaking about that, unless your chat's present. So you have to do that. If, if you ever care about that recorded viewership, you have to find a way to make your chat present on the screen and not just on your BRB screen or your just starting screen, but uh, come up with a way to make it happen. I've seen, um, I've seen some streamers do it really well, like seven to seven. He's a, he's a uh, graphic artist on the West coast and he's got his chat built into his, you know, comic book style framing really well, but I it have, does come I, down. I watched some of his stuff. It's, um, I love his layout. It's actually really, really cool. Yeah, his, his layout. Like he's doing like a lot of artistic stuff. You don't want that to draw away from the main thing he's working on for the most part. It, but he's made he's the layout finished. artistic, right? He's made yeah, that layout right? completely an art piece of art so that the way in which he has his integrations overlaid into it, make it look like it is a part of it. And that takes a lot of skill to do. It's... For like for me, I had a frame for Darkest Dungeon that was themed Darkest Dungeon, so it felt like it was a part of the game. And for history, you know, you can't make something feel like it's a part of history. So what was the what was the the hook? And it was Bill and Ted because people know that you know. Oh, I see this. Yeah, so and it, pop, it, like, culture, pop culture yep. frame of reference, yeah. So I know a lot of people like like I'll use Permanube as a great example. He loves Borderlands, so everything around his identity within his stream is Borderlands theme, and it works because everything rolls back to that for him. So anybody else, you don't have to theme around a game or anything, but theme around what you're doing, come up with something that makes sense for the persona you're trying to project. Yeah. Um, I think that's something, um, I, I struggled with for a while personally, especially when I was, I was early on because I kind of bounced from destiny for a bit and started doing like, um, more variety content. And I was like, okay, well, what the fuck am i you know like yep. what, what is me and like i just had to like took me a minute to kind of figure out i had to to lean into like my more chaotic nature of just everything at once i think that's a great trap right where streamers variety streaming is a thing it's very different than being a, a game focused streamer where i get on every day and play dead, you know dead by daylight or Fortnite or destiny or whatever these guys, these guys, these people are, are getting up every day and this is their job and their viewers are expecting them to play this same game all the time, which I can't imagine being anything but tedious. And they build their identity around that game. And there's a risk in that, right? Where 
like when D2 launched, you were there because you just said you played Destiny 2. I've been playing Destiny since the beginning and I quit in Destiny 2. Imagine being one of those, like, like uh, I can't remember, like, um, there was a guy who was like hand cannoning the, the uh, Wrath of Machine raid at the end of D1 and he was one of the most well-known streamers out there for Destiny. Destiny 2 hits and Destiny's popularity tanked. Your identity is tied to that game. Your revenue is tied to that game. If no one wants to watch yeah. it anymore, well, boom, you're done. Imagine it's, if, um, you know, the, the legs had swept out on our Fortnite on Ninja in year three. What would he be right now? Probably nowhere near where he is. I mean, I know, financially. I know he is. Oh, yeah, he's um absolutely loaded. Um, I need to ask, though, your your name, is yes. that... The, yeah, it is, it is the hand cannon? It is the hand cannon from Destiny, and there's a story behind um, it. Do tell, because I've was i I've always been curious, but I've never asked, because I've seen it, I've gone, I know that name from this game, from that gun. Mm-hmm. So when Destiny, sure. when Destiny One dropped, um, I loved its world, and I have always loved Destiny, Destiny's like lore. Even though there are plenty of you know pusher glasses of lore nerds out there that can talk a whole lot less about it. Um, when we were playing, though, I was playing with my sons. Um, so long story short, I got divorced, and I was distanced from my sons whenever they were in high school. So we found video games to be a great way to bridge that gap. When they had free time, Xbox was there. It was easy to set up, and then we get in a party and play Destiny. And we were playing Destiny, and it was the early days of it, and I had never seen this hand cannon before. And um, this gun drops. And I said, I just got this hand cannon called Lord High Fixer. This thing is, this name is awesome. And my sons were like, that's the perfect name for you. And the reason is because I'm intrinsically someone who fixes things. I, I in my job, my job, my job job is, you know, making a very complex IT apparatus work. And then, you know, within the Outlaws uh, community, you know, a few of us come up with solutions to things all the time. Like, how do we build this in a bot or something like that? And I'm fixing things or reverse engineering things is very much in my nature. So um, the fixer aspect of that name just called out to my kids. And then the whole Lord High thing kind of called out to me from a historical perspective. It was like, here's a title that feels very, you know, a long August and it just feels like epic would be the word and that's great because i was using variations of like containing my last name and things like that and i it gave me a way to become really anonymous on the internet but something that people who play the same game as i was playing would instantly recognize and um so that's where it came from but then lord high fixer just became kind of cliche to say over and over so it got whittled down to uh fixer and fix which is perfectly fine that's what i prefer now anyway you know I've all, I actually have thought about um, stripping it down and taking the Lord High off, and I have done that on Xbox, where it's Captain Fix, because that's the only thing I play with respect to Xbox is uh, Sea of Thieves. But um, other than that, it's just that's where it comes from. My kids were kind of like, Dad, this name makes a whole lot of sense for you. You should probably think about using it. And then, of course, someone had it, so I had to add the X to oh, so it. Also, that's, that was the extra X, was it? Yep, someone had it on yep. Xbox, so I took the extra X. Bastards. Um, I tried to have just puppies. Um, as 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 a, I went to go, I went to go drop the deft a while ago, and um, I couldn't get it. I was like, I, I almost messaged them because it was like one of those inactive accounts that yeah. had been inactive for years and years and years. Like I could, sh- I could just like just message them, say, hey, by the way, because they are the same as you. I went, I I got shortened to pups or puppies, so I was like, I'll, I'll, I'll change it. 
And well, the benefit to, to having the two X's now is no one has that. No one has that. Like I can go, yeah. I have my email around it. I have my, I have most of the things I care about steam name, everything with respect to streaming, everything was just, Hey, it's there. No one has it with the two X's. And I grabbed them all up as quick as I could because no one had thought to do it that way, I guess. Um, so talk to me about big top because I big mean, I've, 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 I've been, I've been around you guys in and out for a little while now. Um, it's more of a, a passive. We want the whole story passive. or what we do. Um, the whole story is not that long. Call me. Column A, column B, let's go a little bit of both. Okay, so uh, when I was younger, in my 20s, uh, back when older gamers were people in their 20s, uh, there was a, a group of Halo gamers called Cirque de Geezers, and we can, you know, Geezers of Gaming was considered 25 or older. And so it was a way to keep us away from the kids. Um, we didn't want to play with someone's kids and have someone's parents be really mad that we were swearing in voice chat or something. So we just kind of played Halo together and got really good. And... Um, during the course of the time with that clan, uh, we, a couple of us kind of branched off and became very, very, very good, like competitively good at the NHL series, the EASHL. Like we play, you, you play your position. We were winning championships um, in that in that system. And then the um, the what is now old gen, but the next gen conversation kind of came along, and there was a lot of. The debate around DRM content policy management and which consoles we primarily move to. And that debate got heated within that group. And so um, several of us were a little vocal about privacy protections. And that we were, kind of, we were booted. We were just tossed out of that group. We've been in for a long time, for, you know, five, 10 years. And so the people who were booted out decided that we were going to form our own little group to kind of continue what we were doing, especially from the hockey perspective. And that became big top referencing back to Cirque de geezers Cirque, and then outlaws because we were no longer a part of them and that's where the name derives from but we've always been a group um throughout and it's been an evolving form since then but it started off as a group of people who just wanted to play a game together and not have to deal with the world's nonsense and look out for each other and i mean these guys looked out for me um during my divorce i was broke and one of them you know one of these guys would gain gained with paid my mortgage payment the last month i didn't have it before i could move out of my house when i was getting divorced but um, over time, it's become this place where we're famous for giving people we like a whole lot of shade. That's how we will inform you that we believe you're a good person is we will make your life difficult through your own openings that you leave us with respect to jokes. Uh, you can surely ask Perm or Dustin or, or people that in Gilly, they, they take the brunt of that. Um, and we've kind of formed lore around the idea, like our own internal, as Mads would say it, you know, we have a book of jokes that are just so long known and so used that um, they're just part of how we communicate at this point. Uh, streaming brought in a whole lot of new people where it used to be a group of guys who were playing or a group of people who were playing Destiny and NHL and Halo and were largely Xbox focused. It, it got broadened by streaming where you went out and you were able to see like minded people. And you were like, you were able to say, hey, look, we're not a stream team. We're not a clan. We're not looking to organize you in a way you don't want to be organized. What we, what we wanted to do is say, hey, look, we are very much like you. And you are very much like this group of people. And while we may give you hell in your chat or in a video game, we will forever have your back whenever you need it. Um, an example of this was one of our members last year had uh, significant medical issues where they were just 
they were in the hospital for weeks and the bill from that came, you know, came out as it's America. So of course it was ridiculous. And they, they, you know, whether they had it or not, you know, we're talking, you know, you know, five figure medical bills and the instant reaction from within this group was, what do we do? How do we, how do we at least take a chunk out of that out? And so GoFundMe went up and the very first donation that GoFundMe was close to $700. And over the course of it, we ended up giving the individual nearly three grand to say, we don't know how much your bills are, but you're our brother and we love you and take this and make sure that you're, you know, able to still pay your bills and and pay it down. And that's how it always works. So like Dustin and Gilly were streamers that we met and said, Hey, look, you, you know, we don't want Dustin is just a funny guy and Gilly is another coder and, We've taken everyone in and amalgamized their skill sets to where we've created this community. It's like, this is home. This is where you come when you have a problem, when you need to know the people here are not going to BS you. They don't have an agenda. We are just your friends. And it works. So we have dedicated channels in our Discord. Instead of like you having your streaming Discord, there are numerous of us who base our streaming out of our Discord. And we all have channels that we can say, this is what's going on with my stream. And it allows everyone to stay concentrated as opposed to I have 50 discords. I have to check to see if my one streamer I follow has posted when he's going to stream today, everything's there. And we also run a channel where we do tech help. Like I want to know how to build a giveaway system within this bot, or uh, how do I automatically capture my Twitch clips to a local drive uh, that exists? And we, you know, pin solutions and people can go through instead of having to reinvent the wheel and find like, Oh yeah, go check the pin in this channel. And it's this one right here. And, follow the instructions and uh more recently uh with the rise of all the hate bot crap on twitch uh we've actually worked from some githubs to create a script that will uh, auto ban about three quarters of a million accounts on your twitch channel to make sure they don't get in um oh to, nice yeah to handy. Keep, just to keep like i'm not worried about it i know that those those efforts tend to focus on women but we have women streamers in our community and we certainly want to protect them not from you need our protection but from we can prevent this from happening because we have some people here have, whose technical skill set available yeah, if you can want build to use it. them yeah yep and yeah. so it takes about like it takes about i don't know 40 hours to run the script because there's just so many names in the array um, but it does and has stopped these people from coming in and doing what they do to the members of our community and that's kind of what it is it is a it is a commune of individuals who see each other as near family and support each other as near family. I mean, we have had our differences within the thing, but we intrinsically believe in speaking truthfully to each other. Like when there is a problem, just have the conversation. No one's going anywhere, but what we don't want and what's never really been an issue is where people in other, other groups will form small clicks and build animosity toward other people. Like the jokes are all out in the open and so are the criticisms. If we have an issue with something that someone's done, we'll say so. And we're not going to say, well, you know, I really didn't like how so-and-so said this about this thing or this person. No, we're going to go and say, look, you know, this thing was said, it offended an individual. Um, this is why it offended them or whatever and, and deal with it in, you know, out in the open so that there's never a question of where you stand and it works really well. But it also helps that we're all adults, you know, we're not dealing with. Yeah, I mean, that's, that's, that's the thing though, like, look, like, listening, listening to that, it's like, this is like how 
groups in general should should like kind of govern themselves right it's like mm. just just have it out there none of this backstabby talk behind each other's back crap just have it out there have the conversation and just kind of move through that because and, you, and, i think you find as well is when um i mean i find this with with what i do if you have an issue with someone you work through it with them and generally that mm -hmm. for the most part will um help you work together better yeah it, and i think so the thing about through that conflict management in general like that is you can never approach it as a debasement of the individual you can never go to that person and say you're wrong because a natural human reaction to that is no i'm not right and let me defend yeah, myself yeah, yeah. and here's all the reasons why it is hey let's have a conversation let's 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 talk about what happened and how you felt it was being done versus how someone else perceived it being done and let's understand the differences there that people are different and not that you were wrong but that there is an opportunity for self-improvement across the board here. Somebody can be a little less sensitive or understand your intent and someone else can say, Oh, I didn't mean it that way. I can self-evaluate and make sure that I don't do the same thing again, but that is an adult thing to do. Um, and I, th I think the other thing that's really critical is we do have like an upper leadership group within the outlaws, but those are people, you, anybody can be in that group of assuming you do like two things. You're there long enough and you contribute meaningfully. Like if you're just a lurker who hangs out and takes advantage of some of the tools we have, we know who you are and it's not a big deal. Take advantage. You know, you're hanging out in the streams. We don't care. But if you're actively working to better the philosophy of what we do, and over time you do that, not with a self-interested perspective, but with a community-interested perspective, then you're going to be invited to come in because we're going to value that perspective. We're going we're gonna to value your eyes and the way you see things because no one believes that the way in which they understand it to be is the only way it can be and that an amalgamized compromise is the best way to see the best solution for a group. And so anytime any decision, like people always point at me like, oh, he's a leader. There is no leader. There is a group of individuals who make communal decisions that we believe after discussion are in the best interest of other people. And they're never reached without a consensus. No one ever arbitrarily walks off and says, oh, I'm going to do this. It just doesn't work that way. I, I love, mic, I love we go. That, that works so quickly. I think it's your gate, by the way. It's the initial speaking, is like it? the first is it the two or three speaking? syllables. Yeah. Interesting, because it, my my gate's on like zero point nine. But like I was saying, your mic's not there, and then it cut back in. So, but anyway, yeah, I don't want to belabor yeah. that point. Yeah, that's fine. Um, I've lost track. <laughs> we were talking about <laughs> outlaws and adult communities. That's right. Um, it's it's just good to see. It's good to see communities out there like that because you don't see them that often. Like no. I mean, in in my in my my few years of streaming, you know, I've seen plenty of stream teams come and go, and plenty of stream teams just like blow up at the drop of a hat over the smallest thing, mm -hmm. and it just devolves into chaos and falls apart. I've I've been like kind of caught not caught in the middle, but like being part there where in in a few communities when that's happened, and I'm just kind of like, whoop, whoop, I'm out. Sees later I think and the, just totally distanced myself from it because it was just like it devolved into like name calling and yeah see i think the difference is that people people join a quote stream team out of a, a self-interest right they want to yeah. leverage the connections that are potentially there from others who may promote them in their channels that's that's kind of how stream teaming works whereas the way we have always worked is um you do whatever you want. We're not going to tell you to say this or do this or shout out this person or whatever, you know, just don't, you know, maintain some sort of civic decorum is all we really require to do, but we're never going to tell you how to do things. And we will help you 
build tools and scripts and all the things you want to do to make your stream better. And that's where it's like, okay. And then once we've helped you get there with, you know, we're not asking you to throw a little, even a, a big top outlaws logo anywhere, but once we've kind of helped you in a little way or integrated you in a little way, what's okay. Turn that around and come back and help the next person or help someone who has a different problem where your skill set is applicable to that person. That's the idea. You don't need to be, like, for instance, Gilly and I have automated things where we shout out people that we know their their static schedules at the end of every stream, but not everybody has to do that. Uh, you know, Dustin comes up with off the wall ideas that are great theoretical ideas where he, you know, but he doesn't have the code skill set to build the idea where that's where, you know, someone like Gilly or I would come in and like, okay, well, that's great. And I can't think like that, but I can make that happen. And that's why it works really well. Right. A ragtag team of like, really specific skills um yeah it's a it's a toolbox amazing, of really odd shaped together, tools yeah. <laughs> you the, the, the tool sheds with like the shapes in the wall and they're just like i think part of it too is like like um me you know mega jake who streams for extra life he actually raised 10 grand and the year's not even over for a neonatal uh care monitor at beaumont children's hospital this year uh Sturfer supports that with him perm supports that uh i have me doing dav um, we have people who are doing work that's selfless and it's not just me that does, you know, charitable streaming. We have a lot of people in the yeah. community who are like, you know, I'm not doing this for money. They get it. They're not, you know, they have day jobs and families. They're not going to become the next, you know, I have a hundred thousand viewers on my Twitch channel and that's not why they stream. They, they stream because they like the community and the camaraderie and the hilarity that can ensue from that. So I think that's, that also may be what defines it a little bit differently. Cause there's a lot of stream teams out there who form a stream team and they're like, this is our, this is our way. This is our way to the big time. It's like the statistical chances that happening to you as a streamer is so astronomically small. You should certainly have a backup plan. Oh yeah, definitely. It's, um, it's not exactly, um, something that you can rely on given how, um, I mean, it's a, you're, you're dependent on a developer and a platform you have no control over, right? It's not yeah. like you own your own business. You are an independent contractor who's leveraging the assets of others to produce your content. That is what a streamer does. And so you are dependent on that developer or that publisher not making a mistake, <coughs> Bungie, or... <laughs> Sorry. Fine. Or you're dependent upon Twitch coming up with solutions to serious social problems they have on their platform before people finally have enough. Like with this hate bot thing or the, you know, we don't want to get into controversial things, but like hot tub streaming. There's these things that some people look at and be like, what's this here for? This is not why I came to this platform. And some people will go a step further and say, and I don't want to be here anymore. When you base your job yeah. and your, you know, your life around that level of volatility, you just, you can't have that be the only plan. No, no. I mean, it's, it's great when you're, you know, 20 something young and you've, you've got nothing kind of going on but when, as, when you get older you kind of you look at it like this isn't viable like mm -hmm. there is like trying to stay relevant like even yeah slightly is so much work and then doing everything else on top of that it's like mm -hmm. there's, there's too many variables for one thing to go wrong to bring it all tumbling down it's a very very shaky kind of um basis to, to put everything on but i mean you look it's, at people like 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 ninja who who saw that and kind of like they branched out right and they, mm -hmm. they got into like advertising and and kind of pushed into that more um he gave himself more than one leg in a stool yeah to use an analogy which you like he there you should certainly have and he was not stupid in the way in which he did that um he he saw an opportunity as well at mixer to just give himself 
capital and he did it. And, you know, within a year it was gone, but he had his money. (laughs) Yeah. He he and shroud really came out. I think they're about the only ones that won in this entire situation. Um, out of a whole platform of, of staff and, and streamers and, and viewers, two guys, two guys came out of that with millions. Pretty much. And Facebook, you know, they got paid even though they don't need it. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, Microsoft got its tech that I wanted, so we're all good there. <laughs> yeah, I actually think they leveraged some of the tech they, they got from Beam, and that's what you see aspects of in Teams now where the team's, you know, hey. corporate chat platform, they they picked up some some ideas and some core skill set technologies from Mixer and were able to integrate that into Teams. You'll notice that Teams kind of took off in two ways. One, in the six months lead up to the pandemic, and then obviously the pandemic making work from home a thing. But the, the Teams has certainly picked up some elements of Mixer's technology for sure. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. I used Teams the other day for the first time um for for an interview um for work-related things and um yeah the guys are oh we'll just use teams and i'm like what so i'm I'm so used to things like zencaster and discord and 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 to some extent zoom like when that was kind of blowing up for a while there yeah zoom is (laughs) so not secure man like i had companies i dealt with other companies who they didn't have the the base capital to get a platform like a 365 platform like Microsoft's uh, Teams, and they're like, "Yeah, let's join a Zoom call." Like, how about I send you a Teams invite and you come over here where it's actually encrypted, you know, where it's not just if I have the link, I can get in there and record everything. Yeah, <laughs> it was. Um, I refused to get in Zoom calls. I was like, "No, no, no, no." I did it twice. One was for like a big group made up of just just people hanging out. And um, we did two of those, and then um, I don't know Zoom just kind of disappeared for me. It just didn't happen. Well, like, Google stood fine. up their collaborative work environment, and that's General's free set of tools. And then Microsoft for large enterprises was like, "Here's our chance to kill Skype and bring out this new thing we've got." And from our per- from my perspective professionally, um, Teams is critical to what we do now because we're still we're we are still not back in the office and we won't be going back to the office. Like they have said, holy crap, look at how much money we're saving by not leasing office space. And they said, stay home. And so I you know, I will not go back to the office. And Teams has been pretty critical to that because it enables us to be collaborative without being in front of each other. Yeah, I found that really interesting um, coming coming out of the last couple of years um, is businesses going, well, we, we, we don't need to spend that money. We can like, here's the stuff you need go home and do it you seem to be more productive anyway yeah um you're getting happier workers you know people are getting more time with the families you know they're not at the yep. office late um and it, and it's it's really incredible for people and businesses um gets a little dicey in the economy um i work in i work in the city um at a restaurant and now that people aren't in the office yeah which is where we were surrounded by we're really starting to see the side effects of that because we're not getting our, you know, our usual lunch. Yeah, your, your lunch foot traffic isn't there. Yeah, it's pretty well non-existent now. The place is like a ghost town, um, which is crazy. One so of the things there's, that there's a balance shock, but one of the things I try to do during the pandemic was um, there's a bunch of locally owned you know restaurants and catering services around here that transitioned to the whole delivery model during the pandemic. As I always tried to say, you know, three times a week, 
make sure you're still doing what you did before. You're just not going there. You're having it delivered. So I've maintained that because I felt like I had that civic responsibility to say, I get it. I'm not there, but I still want you to have the money that you would have normally gotten from me um, just to make sure that your business doesn't go under. Because if we'd ever do return to a world where we can sit down safely in a restaurant with each other, I'd really like you to be there. Um, Works not so much um, because where I worked, there wasn't a whole lot of anything but, you know, chains and I was not too invested in those places. But I did try to take some level of civic responsibility for for the local mom and pops places because I love those places where the best food comes from. You go to these um you go to these chain places and the food's just like must be just crap. Um and someone yeah. works yeah, with food, it's something that um I really enjoy. Well, it's just like going to these really small places where they're independently owned. Mm-hmm. And you know, it it's it's it sometimes it's not the best food, but knowing that it's like made with just that little bit of love makes it that like slightly bit better than just Yeah, I mean I like diners like I like old in America. I like old school Americana diners where, you know, you can they got the fry cook in the back and the wheel with the menu, the, the, the order on it. And I, I love that feel a place that has a counter and you can sit down and um, there's two places near me like that. And I the food is way better than, say, like a Denny's or an IHOP or any place that's a chain for sure. Um, but is it like gourmet food? No, but you're not paying a gourmet price in those places either. You're paying, you know, eight bucks for, you know, eggs, hash browns, bacon, and sausage. And and I'm more than happy to pay for that because the portion size is correct and it tastes pretty good. And I don't know. I've always had an affinity for those places. It's, it's legends like you that keep people like me going. So, um, so thank you. <laughs> um, <laughs> <laughs> you're keeping me in a job, man. Um, but um, we might we might wrap it up there, Fix. Um, All right. Thank you so much for joining and and, and having a, having a chat with me. Um, it's 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 been it's been really fun. Just like hearing, I appreciate hearing the your story and um, your kind of your your approach to things. Um, it's kind of nice and a little bit refreshing. Um, My mom always so... said this to kind of give you a closer. Uh, the world is should be very happy that I came out one of the good guys. Um, because if I was one of these cynical jerks that was only out for things for, you know, oneself, then the impact I would have was much less meaningful than if you're out there actively doing good and helping others do good. And I think that if more people did that and just had that simple philosophy, how can I make a, how can I not just talk about it, but do something and have a good impact, then we'd be much better off. And that's kind of how I do things. Wonderful. Um, so for yeah, for the, for the people people home who are listening, playing along, uh, where can they find yourself? Where can they find you? Well, it's twitch.tv slash Lord High Fixer with two X's. Uh, YouTube, um, just go to that Twitch page and find the YouTube panel off the chat page. It's down there. It's a whole lot easier than giving you that pseudo random link that I hate that I won't change because they won't let me. Um, Twitter you should, is. I think you're eligible now, actually. I, uh, I tied it to an old name I don't want. You can't change it from that name to a new name. You have to use the old name again. Uh, Twitter is uh, at Lord High Fixer with two X's, but more importantly, uh, at Big Top Outlaws, which is an automated uh, Twitter account that senses when members from our community go live and will tell you within 15 minutes on Twitter that they are live. So if you don't like using your Twitch alerts, you can use that Twitter account and see it in your stream. You're like, oh, somebody who's not fixed, who's part of that great community of people is also live and go discover some of them as well. 
Wonderful. Um, and for the for those who are looking for those, all those links um, will be down below in the description for you to find. So to make things a lot easier, because I don't know you, but I, I can't remember things and I don't like typing. They're all linked lot, off so. my Twitch panels as well. Clicky, clicky, do the thing. Um, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for listening this week. Um, something a little bit different. You know, we, we approached some some educational material as opposed to, to, to video games, but we did talk about video games for about a minute, which technically... <laughs> technically still makes us a gaming stream uh by the rule of 10 percent um but if you'd like to find the podcast you can find us um your favorite podcasting platforms just search for two left thumbs uh you can find us on youtube via two left thumbs dot online you can also find us on twitter at left underscore pod and on instagram at two left thumbs podcast um and as always if you've enjoyed the episode yeah let me know what you think give us a review apple pulse and spotify all that jazz Go do it. Um, I hope you guys are enjoying what we do here. But that's it, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very much. Fix, thank you very much. It was a pleasure. Fantastic Thanks for having week. me on. We'll chat it next time. See ya.